The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Video is Dr. Abdul Akbar. So, uh, once again, you are listening to Friday Night Live uh, on a lovely Friday evening, nice and crisp Friday evening. Uh, and we've got a fantastic lineup for you today, inshallah. Hopefully, we'll keep you entertained for the next couple of hours. So the first topic of discussion, we want to talk about this uh, a new controversial law that's been brought into uh, uh, brought in India to do with giving citizenships to non-Muslims. So we have an expert who uh, knows a thing or two about the subcontinent. Uh, he's going to give us some details about what that is. Inshallah, at six o'clock, at six thirty, we talk about the uh, the black bins. Uh, black bags, sorry, and black bins. Um, you know, we, we talked uh, several months ago about Lutbrak Council introducing uh, some restrictions in collections of black, uh, black bins. Uh, there's a further development, inshallah, in terms of black bags. Right? Uh, we'll have Council Aslam in the studio. He's going to talk about what that is all about and how does that, how that affects you, inshallah. Tune in at 6.30 for that. Uh, around seven o'clock, uh, we'll be talking about Brexit. How can you avoid Brexit? Brexit is everywhere uh, and soon to be engulfing everybody, I think, by looks of things, the way things are going. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some more, get, some, get an update again of what's been happening lately uh, and what are the options. And finally, the last section of the program, uh, we're going to talk about Town Football Club. We're going to talk about the new stadium that's allegedly or realistically or really been given a go-ahead we'll talk i'll give, I'll give you some more details inshallah at 7 30 uh, when we talk to david wilkinson the chairman of luton football club inshallah so let's kick off today uh our first discussion uh first discussion is about a controversial law that's been introduced in india um so as you would know uh, the uh, the uh, right-wing-leaning BJP party has been running India for the last uh, last number of years. Um, the next elections are due uh, in the next year, I understand. Uh, and this uh, party, BJP, is an offshoot of the RSS. And it's the same RSS uh, which opposed British law and sided, allegedly, uh, if you think otherwise, let me know, but allegedly sided with the... Uh, uh, the opposition during World War II. Um, it's now pulling the strings strings of BJP. It's in power. Uh, and it, some of its policies uh, are quite controversial. So uh, that's the, the backdrop. Uh, and I guess because the elections are looming, because the elections are coming up, uh, some interesting developments have, have been happening. And one of those things uh, is this controversial law. Now we have uh, on the line, uh, we have on the line Dr. Leon Koenig. Uh, he's a postdoctoral research fellow at St. Anthony's College at Oxford University, uh, and he takes a, a keen interest uh, in the subcontinent. So his area of interest includes political theory, interdisciplinary and area studies, as well as nation building, identity, cultural politics and political iconography. Sounds like somebody who's highly qualified to talk about this top topic. Hi, Dr. Leon. Good evening. 
thank you very much uh, for joining me today and taking the time out and uh, speaking to our listeners today. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, first of all, uh, get a, a brief from yourself in terms of what this new citizenship law uh, is. Um, now, we it's been re- widely reported in the Deccan Chronicle and Al Jazeera. Uh, we did speak to one or two journalists in India, and they weren't too familiar with it. Perhaps you can give us a little bit more details about what this law is, please. Absolutely. So what we are discussing is the Citizenship Amendment Bill. Yep. It is not yet uh, a law. Right. It has passed the lower house of the Indian Parliament, okay. Lok Sabha. It was first tabled in 2016. It was now passed on 8th of January this year. It is yet to pass the upper house right. of the Parliament, the Rajya Sabha. Mm-hmm. Uh, until it gets the status of a law. Now, what it aims to provide is citizenship to selected persecuted minorities, mm. and these are religious minority communities, primarily in the countries of Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. The minority communities are Hindus, Sikhs, Jains, Buddhists, Parsis, and Christians. That is how that bill has been framed. Right. So, providing shelter to those in India on the grounds of religion, religious persecution in their home countries. Right. right. So specifically right. excluding Muslims. It is. Right. So, so perhaps Muslims who may not feel at home in places like Nepal and, and Tibet uh, are specifically excluded, right? They're not excluded to seek uh, shelter in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be longer for them under this specific uh, citizenship amendment bill to apply for citizenship. The minority communities that I had mentioned can apply uh, for citizenship after a period of residency in India for seven years. Members of other religious communities, such as Muslims, uh, would only be eligible to do so after a period of residence of 11 years. Uh, So there's a clear distinction being drawn between members of different religious communities. Right. So, yeah. so the question the question I have is why and why now? Um, it is a significant departure from India's Citizenship Act as it was formulated and passed in 1955 because it changes the grounds on which citizenship was granted in the Republic of India. The U Soli that means people are members of the political community regardless of their religion mm-hmm. or ethnicity to a eus sanguinis, the right of blood, right? So where your religious ties become stronger and make you eligible for citizenship. Um, And it is, of course, no coincidence that this is happening under the current uh, government, the NDA coalition, which is led by the Bharatiya Janta Party, which is a Hindu nationalist party, and of which factions and strong groups within that party advocate uh, Hindu nationalist stance. That means equating India with its majority religious communities, and those are the Hindus. Mm. So it's, it's, um, it's effectively its objective, or its, its outlook, really, is, is about turning India into a Hindu nation, uh, and not just India, but also perhaps neighboring uh, countries as well, where there is a, there is a population of Hindus. It's the Hindutva concept, is that right? It's the Hindutva concept, the idea of Hinduness, 
yeah. that um, those who belong to India are Hindus rather than members of other religious communities. Right, and and that's yeah. their that's their abiding ideology which which they're trying to uh, propagate. And I guess this law is, a, law is in keeping yes. with that. Yes, it is. Uh, Prime Minister Modi has also been quoted saying that blood relations are more important than the color of passports. So it is the idea of a of a global Hindu community that uh, are all citizens of this India. Right. So um, it's, in- it's, in- it's interesting that, that uh, uh, Christians are included as part of that, um, and Buddhists, which I, I mm-hmm. guess um, are, are I guess different from, from Hindus. So it mm-hmm. sounds like it's an anti-Muslim sort of bill rather mm-hmm. than an, a bill sort of being pro in, pro-Hindu. Oh, absolutely. I mean, on the face of it, it is not so much a pro-Hindu bill as it is an anti-Muslim bill. Sure. But in reality, of course, the um, other religious denominations that we're talking about, and remember, we're talking about specifically the states of Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Yeah. The strongest, numerically strongest communities in those countries would be Hindus, second mm-hmm. to the Muslim populations. Yeah. In Bangladesh, we have around 11.4 million citizens of Hindu faith, about 8.5% of the population. In Pakistan, it's 4.8 million Hindus. So uh, other religious communities, such as the Sikhs or the Christians that you have referred to, would be numerically negligible negligible in those uh, countries. So so it's actually a, a way of packaging the bill rather than actually sort of appealing to those communities as such. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the message is clear that Muslims are ostracized as the other, and mm-hmm. that is sort of the the Hindu other. And um, that is, has been part and parcel of the Hindu nationalist agenda ever since its inception. Mm. In, in, fact, in fact, that, that's their, their focus, isn't it? Their, their absolute focus right, is... is uh, uh, Pakistan, first of all, right? So their rhetoric is driven by anti-Pakistan jingoism, but also anti-Muslim jingoism as well. And that's been a way of, of gaining popularity politically. Or, uh, is that... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is um, the ideological basis on which campaigns have been fought hmm. over decades by the BJP and by its uh, predecessor, the BJS. Um, the fact is that India currently is the second largest Muslim country in the world, Correct. numerically, after Indonesia. Yeah. So it's about 13, more than 13 percent of India's population that identifies as Muslim. Mm-hmm. Now, we have, of course, an overwhelming Hindu majority, sure. but what Hindu nationalists set their agenda on is that there is, of course, the state of Pakistan, which was founded in 1947 as the homeland for South Asia's Muslim. Mm -hmm. Now, India has never been designed as the homeland for India's Hindus. And of of Uh, course, the 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 constitution of Pakistan, uh, although it states that, it doesn't exclude anybody, Hindus or um, Buddhists or Christians, from being citizens or being given citizenship. Well, but uh, a non-Muslim would not be able to rise to the highest office in Pakistan. One has to be a Muslim to be the president of Pakistan. Right. Um, one has to be a Muslim to be the prime minister of Pakistan. On the, on the other hand, one doesn't have to be a Hindu to become president 
of uh, okay. India. And in fact, Muslims have held that highest office in India. As it stands at the moment. Yes, as it stands. Okay, uh, so, so no the, change to that in the Citizen Amendment too. So, so the, the other thing I, I just wanted to explore a little bit is that there's been uh, some development, I guess, in Assam. There's been conflicts between Muslim Bangladesh, Bengalis moving into Assam and the Assam state basically uh, being very vocal about their population, uh, you know, being somewhat being uh, overshadowed by, by immigration from Bangladesh. How, how much of, of this bill is driven by the concerns of Assam rather than India generally? Um, well, the most vocal protest has come from the northeastern part of India. Yeah. Um, Assam, but also other states, the um, neighboring state of Meghalaya mm -hmm. was the first state to pass a resolution against the citizenship bill. Mm -hmm. uh, it has spoken out against it. Right. Um, and BJP legislators, so even members of the largest Hindu nationalist party in the country, have spoken out against this bill in Assam. Right. But the thing is, in, in, in Assam, wasn't there a law passed last year which effectively, wasn't there some sort of a, an, an, a, a census done or an audit done which denied many millions of people citizenship um, because they couldn't prove that they were from Assam or some, something along those lines? Wasn't that? And that was a controversy last year uh, in that yes. region? Yes, yes. This is there. Um Assam, because of its border location to Bangladesh, yeah. has always seen influx from Muslims as well as non-Muslims from the neighboring country of Bangladesh into the state of Assam. Uh, of course, it's been a language issue because then the language of Bengali that is spoken in Bangladesh would clash with the local Assamese language. Mm -hmm. So the fear is also... Uh, uh, the specter is also that of the destruction of culture. Yeah? Sure. Um, and now the fear is again, after the controversy last year that you referred to, that this new bill would facilitate migration of Hindus, Bengali-speaking Hindus from Bangladesh into Assam, um, and therefore put a burden on the residents in that state. Right. So Okay, okay. So, so th this is not necessarily... Uh, the, the development of the Assam were not necessarily kind of religious-based, but language-based, you're saying, is it? So, is that right? Or was yeah. there a religious element to it as well? Well, in the state of Assam, it is much more of a local cultural issue. It's right. designed as such, because Assam is a Hindu-majority state. Mm -hmm. um, and Hindus and Muslims in that state are united in their antagonism to the bill. Right. Okay. So that, that so that's one one uh, I guess aspect of it, and I guess you know just looking at the whole uh, the picture as a overall picture as a whole, um, I guess the likelihood of uh, mass migration, I guess of of Hindus, given this bill um, from places like Afghanistan and Pakistan, are probably le less likely than perhaps from the region uh, of Burma and Rohingya. Uh, would you say this was really to sort of aimed at facilitating, uh, you know, Hindu migration away from places like that, rather than something which is, um, you know, anti-Muslim as such? Um, 
Well, it is a clear signal also to the voter base in other parts of India. Sure. Where the northeast and local issues in the northeast are usually not that high on the agenda to show people that the government adheres to a strict ideology-driven and Hindu-driven policy. Mm-hmm. I think that is the main message. Uh, and it is also in view of the Rohingya crisis uh, that the current government has shown no inclination to help to solve or to help to rehabilitate those people. It is a sign and a clear sign that there is much less of a chance now for Muslim migrants to seek refuge or even citizenship status in India. India. So, I mean, what, what kind of signal is that sending to the world? In, in India uh, has a very soft and cuddly image abroad. Uh, a lot of people sort of see India as the, and often quoted as the uh, biggest democracy in the world. What kind of message is that sending to the rest of the world? And it, it's now uh, pulling the drawbridge and, and trying to sort of get into a position which may not necessarily be so cute and cuddly. Um, well, this is not the first such uh, incident um, since the current government assumed power in 2014. Oh. There have been anti-minority incidents, and these have been religious minorities, mm-hmm. Muslims as well as Christians and others, um, including Dalits. So there have been attacks on on their lives, and the government has not shown the willingness to condemn actions that have taken place or to really guarantee the security of uh, non-Hindus and religious minorities in the country. So there have been very worrying incidents. Mm -hmm. And I think this particular bill that we are discussing is just um, a further element in that narrative that uh, India is increasingly becoming politically religious uh, uh, under this current government. And of course, what what you're referring to is is the um, the, the cow protection gangs, which mm-hmm. have been terrorising Muslims and 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 uh, low caste Hindu community in India, yes. uh, with imp- imp- impunity, I guess, in many cases where they've actually committed acts of extreme violence, but without any recourse to to justice, I guess. Yes, in some cases that has been the unfortunate truth, and there have been lynchings. People yeah. have been taking the law into their own hands. Um, have sentenced people to death on their own account. Uh, And sadly, in some of the cases, this has uh, gone unchecked. Mm. But I I, I guess that the bigger question would then be, is is that, uh, I mean, the the current UK government is perhaps eyeing India as being, I guess, a partner uh, post-Brexit, depending on how Brexit goes. I mean... uh, how should 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 I guess the British government and British people be worried that that they're going to be potentially dealing with effectively um, a government which which is very right wing and and you know very pro pro Hindu and and uh, what what implication that has I, I guess for for relationships with the UK. I would, despite what we've been discussing and um, the sad incidents that have been happening, the ideological climate in India that has also been changing since 2014, I would still like to stress that there is a strong system of checks and balances. I've um, alluded to the fact that within the party, Mm. the 
largest party that forms the government now, the BJP, there is opposition to the citizenship bill. Okay. Um, BJP legislators from the state of Assam have said that religion cannot be made the basis on which a section of foreigners can be granted citizenship. Uh, It is also not clear whether the bill will pass the upper house of the parliament, because the BJP-led NDA coalition does not have a majority there. Mm -hmm. And in the past, the government's bills, which were passed in Lok Sabha, were uh, then not... uh, passed in the upper house of the parliament because the coalition does not have a majority there. Right. Is that still the case at the moment, then, is it? That is the the case at the moment, and opposition parties are also likely to push for the bill to be referred to a select committee before it can be discussed in the upper house. So the system of division of powers and checks and balances is very much in place. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a strong and very vibrant media, very active media, that uh, closely monitors the actions. And uh, India is not a theocratic state. Uh, it is a state which is under a populist government that draws uh, support from religious sentiment, that tries to divide construct the Hindu self against the Muslim or non-Hindu other, mm-hmm. but uh, that is certainly not the view of the majority of the population, and I think that is important to keep in mind. Brilliant, okay. Dr. Koenig, uh, sorry, my name's uh, uh, Paul, I've just um, um, been listening in the studio. I just wondered, how does, is there any implications in this bill, um, possibly for relatives who are persons of Indian origin that are Muslim as well. Um, this this point comes to mind because that, that affects um, my children. Um, although I'm English, my wife is a person of Indi- Indian origin. Mm-hmm. So how, how could that affect, you know, my children and my wife if, if they were seeking to um, um, get residency in the future or uh, perhaps? Well, um There's no provision in that amendment bill for non-resident Indians or people of Indian origin, uh, PIOs. So it specifically refers to persecuted minorities from the countries that I've mentioned, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Mm. Bangladesh. Um, It is also, it has been seen as a signal to India's large diaspora community, which includes NRI, PIOs, uh, to show that Hinduism uh, is a very strong factor in this Republic of India mm. and that the government does not overlook its diasporic community, which is uh, numerically, again, of course, predominantly Hindu. But as such, from the text of this bill, we cannot infer any consequences for people with NRI or PIO status. It certainly sounds like sabre-rattling, really, doesn't it? Well, it is an ideological move more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess with with a a clear eye on the elections coming up, is it next year or this year? They're happening this year. Right, Okay. so I think think that, that seems to be the prime motive from the sounds of the discussion that's taking place so far. But I think, generally speaking, I guess... Um, that movement, uh, although it has a lot of following from hardcore um, people who are sort of sort of bought in with the RSS uh, ideology, 
Uh, but from the indications uh, I've seen, at least anyway, uh, it does sound like that BJP may not do very well. They didn't do very well in their heartland, Gujarat, in, in the recent elections. So they, they may not um, they may not be in a favorable position after the elections. Mm. We'll have to wait and see what the elections uh, bring. I would not like to speculate on the outcome, but uh, certainly divisive policies uh, were not what brought the current government into power. People supported the BJP, people supported the NDA coalition on the promise of uh, economic progress, yes. on the promise of employment for India's youth. Mm -hmm. And this is a rising group of yeah. young people who seek employment, who seek a prospect for the future, for themselves and their families. And that is also what the previous elections were fought on. They were not fought on ideological grounds, but they were fought on economic ones. Yeah, and I think they haven't done too well on the economic front. Some of the, the changes that this government has been sort of remembered for uh, have not exactly been spectacular. Uh, anyway, thank you very much uh, for joining me today, Dr. Leon. Uh, we'll obviously sort of be in touch with you on, on uh, future topics uh, around the subcontinent, but it's really been fascinating talking to you today. Thank you very much. Thank you indeed. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, indeed. Right, okay, about 21 seconds or so. Jazakallahad for, for listening to us in the first half. We were talking about uh, a bill that was being introduced in Indian Parliament to mm. basically restrict Muslims from coming to India, uh, you know, for, for refugee status, etc. So after the break, we're going to talk about something more local. Stay tuned, inshallah. Asalaamu Alaikum. A radio station for the community, by the community. Inspire FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. Uh, this is Friday Night Live with me, Zafar Iqbal and Abu Bakr Kupar, inshallah. So uh, before the break, um, we were talking about the uh, citizenship bill, which has been introduced uh, into the lower house of the Indian parliament, uh, effectively barring Muslim immigrants uh, seeking refuge in India from its neighboring states. Uh, we had Dr. Leon Koenig from uh, uh, Oxford University talking about that and uh, that was quite a fascinating discussion. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to move, move to a uh, equally fascinating and equally exciting topic uh, of bins uh, and bin collections and black bin bags and all of that stuff. So uh, if you remember we did a, a special uh, several weeks ago, maybe, maybe almost a month ago, uh, on Luton uh, Borough Council's decision uh, to basically reschedule the collection of bins, black, uh, black bins, uh, to fortnightly instead of weekly. So that was a decision, that was a controversial decision. There was a lot of calls and a lot of heat generated uh, when we talked about that. Uh, and now you've had that regime been in place for a while now. Now, and you have the opportunity to talk to people who've made the decisions and who carry on, carry out the duties and responsibilities uh, of bin collections here, right in the studio. So if you want to call in uh, and give us your ideas, whether it's good ideas, good suggestion, good feedback, uh, or not so good feedback, my number is 01582 481822. Or if you want to WhatsApp or email, uh, sorry, text me, 
is 0777948182, inshallah. We're here in the studio and we have live with us in the studio Councillor Aslam uh, and Sean Askins, uh, who's, an, who's the officer responsible for refuse collection. Uh, welcome, both of you. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. Right, okay. Um, now, let's talk uh, a little bit about black bins first before we move on to the, the latest headlines about black bags. So, uh, how's it going? How's the, the twice-weekly collection? Is, uh, is it been a, a success as you imagined? Or, or? Yeah, no, it's, it's going along uh, really good. We have uh, improved recycling up by 5% and um, we looked at two areas very closely. One area being Barnfield, whose recycling is very good. And the other area where recycling is not wasn't happening that well in saints area so um there was questions about larger families and their capacity to reduce waste um and we had put in an, a good educational program in place educating people how to recycle providing them with black bins and green bins um black obviously being for food waste and green yeah. for recycling garden uh, waste brown bin then you had the bottle uh, containers um, so uh, people needed to be educated so there was a whole host of educational program put in place through uh, letters websites um, marketing messages uh, apps and through schools and all hosts of medium and, and so the messages are lending well and for those families who recycled and uh, then found that the the bins were not big enough uh, we gave them an additional bin um, so we've issued 300 bins so far so and we're monitoring the situation very uh, closely and um, so far like we said we're on target well actually beyond our target so uh, up by five percent in three months which we call it relatively good right so, so some of the I guess fears uh, that were sort of basically uh, aired in our last program around uh, overfilled overspilling bins and people resorting to black bags and etc etc so has that happened uh, have you well I, I i i personally had uh several calls where uh people uh wanted um extra bins and like i said which were forwarded to our officers they followed up on those cases in some cases they had to go and interview them and educate them on recycling and that resolved matters i can give you examples of uh, three four families where you know household had about eight to ten people and when they recycled and when they uh compressed and separated uh the the, the plastic and the paper from the food waste um, they still found that there was enough space in the black bi uh, black bin, and um, like I said, there were uh, there were families where we uh, saw that they recycled and they did everything they could, and they needed additional bin. We actually gave them more bins, and we are looking the savings that we we make, and we will continue watching. And as uh, Sean could give you pro perhaps uh, more insight to uh, uh, sort of across uh, the town, uh, how we're doing in terms of. Uh, whether there's uh, of spillage of bins or not, and perhaps Sean, you you want yeah. to sort of give a complete picture of town. Sure. Good evening. Uh, <clears throat> it has to be said, it's a, a big change for residents, with nearly seventy-five percent of other councils fortnightly. But what we're finding, similar to most councils, that ninety percent of the residents embrace it, 
and realise it's a good thing. For those who genuinely have a, some concerns or problems, as Councillor Asam said, particularly those with the larger families, we've uh, had a, a series of visits where we've got two officers going out to visit the families, and most of those have sort of understood and are willing to have a go. If they're still struggling after a few more weeks, um, what we're doing is we're giving them the 360 litre bins, um, not as well as the 240, they're, they're giving that up. But that is has been a small percentage for the overall contacts we've had, because most people look upon it as, you know, they want to give it a go. They want to see whether they can... Because that, that's not that's not been a case for for every I assume every because no. I personally I've got a large family and I asked for a bigger bin right and I've got a snotty email saying um, I'm not going to get one effectively to that to that fact not even an apology not even a reason uh, just a oh you're looks, lucky looks, there look, look, looks, I, looks 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 I like this looks I like get, a, I didn't get a reply right well actually we didn't get I, a reply. I sent I, I forwarded that email to to Hazel and she didn't respond either so uh, it can't have been that that uh, wonderful like, like you're, you're putting a picture out as um, I can't obviously comment on your particular case but the, the right. ones where, who've come through the website or come through the system um, and certainly the ones we've received from councillors who've spoke to their constituents um, we've visited all of them that have come through you visited uh, all, all everybody who applied you've actually visited them yep I, I, just, I'm I, just I, I, I must say, Zafar, that every case that I've had, yeah. I can give you an example of one where it was reported and the officers were there within 10 minutes. Within uh, 10 minutes? Yeah, within 10 minutes. And I've never had uh, a response mm. that fast, and that's something which I've followed. Um, there has been every case that I've followed, they've had a visit, um, and they were interviewed. Well, there's, al there's always going to be a situation where you hear of something, and unfortunately for you, it's going to be here. We've got one of the... Uh, um, we've got one of the smaller green bins where you put the stickers out, well, it must be over 10 years ago, to swap the use for them. Um, so we need a, we need a, we need a, a proper sized, uh, proper black bin now. And um, I, I honestly wonder why I'm paying £250 a month, because, you know, we didn't get a reply. But so, so we, we can got, certainly I've take the, that, take, email take that case just, and follow it up. But, I mean, like I said, most Let me just quote you. I've got yeah. email from Amy... Uh, Magaren, right, and this is how it starts off, right, this is what really got my uh, back up. Uh, we will not be providing you any larger bins, unfortunately. That's the first opening line. And you're telling me that you went around and you asked no. people and, and you, no, no, you gave them training and you gave them advice. Obviously not the case. Let, let's make it, let's make it uh, clear that the, the areas that we were piloting uh, was Barnfield and Saints uh, for looking at uh, extra bins or additional bins. And I, I, live, other, off, I live off Old Bedford Road, so that, um, yeah, I'm in that catch. If room. I could just yeah. add to that, we've we've done all across the town. Now, if you have a particular instance, I mean, by all means, f mm. forward it to me or the councillor, and yeah. I will come back to you. Well, I, I forwarded to Hazel, and, and she she's, she basically saw it. Um, well, she didn't think it was it was worth responding to, so she never responded to my email. Although Sufian, Sufian Sadegwa, who's, who's a colleague of mine, who's on the same email chain, uh, he asked for one too, and I'm not sure what kind of response he's got. Sufian, if, if you're listening, you might want to ring in and, and find out whether whether yeah. you got your uh, the, the response that you're looking for, maybe. So, so what you're saying is is that this training and and this TLC, if I can call it, was only restricted to these two wards, then. 
No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say restricted to just two wards. But what what we are we saying that they were the first ones which were, we were going to focus on more. But one which is being recycled well, and the other one which uh, wasn't recycled as well, um, and also providing the support and additional bins if needed. If yeah. I could just just can I, can I just bring in a, a, a caller? I've yeah. got Zakaria uh, on the line. Zakaria, uh, what's your question uh, and what do you want to say? Uh, my question regarding this uh, new uh, uh, bin collection fortnightly. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> when it started in October, the council spent a lot of money giving you a black glass box. Yeah. Right? And the leaflet, and according to that, it says the next week recycling, one week is the, your normal yeah. bins. Yeah. The following week <coughs> is the recycling and glass. But now I have noticed since it started in October last year, yeah. only once been collected the glass. I mean, if you have seen few on my street, uh, they're all half full or full. They normally, with the green bin, they should collect the glass, but they don't bother. Right, okay. You just so left it there, and we just have to bring it inside again. Right, so the glass bin. Okay, thank you, Zachary. I thank you for your comments. So glass bins are not being collected as often. Any comments on that from either of you? Uh, no, I mean, the the glass bins, um, as part of the move to uh, fortnightly, were um, the frequency was increased to two-weekly from monthly, so there should be no reason, um, if you've put your, bin, your, your glass bin out, why it should not be collected. Right. Could, could you just remind me what the gentleman's road was and... Uh, sorry, he's, he's on the line. Do, do you want to mention your road? Sorry, is that clear? It's Port Portland Road. Yeah. And right. uh, I've seen few on, on that road. I'm not the only one. There are a few more households who have the glass bins outside, you know, the black box for the glass collection, but they left it there untouched. Right, okay. I mean, if you send someone around, you'll probably see. So, so I think what Sean is saying is, is that we should see an increase in the frequency in which these uh, bottles are collected, uh, but we are saying that's not the case. No, it's not. It should be every fortnight, isn't it, with a green bin? Right. But if you're recycling bin, it says clearly on the leaflet you provide all the information. Right. It says the next week recycling and glass collection. Right, okay. If all right. recycling so bin's been collected, fine. Right, and uh, Sean's going to take your case and he's going to deal okay. with it personally, inshallah. All right? Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Okay, salamu alaikum. Right, okay, so that, that was a, a caller who begs to differ with, with uh, what you've been saying so far. Um, so uh, I did start on the, on the topic of maybe these two wards getting TLC, uh, and Sean, I did interrupt you, so you wanted to say... Yeah, the, the, the two wards councillors talking about are the ones we're looking at um, doing a food waste trial, right. um, um, hopefully starting in February, March time. But the larger bins, um, we've received um, emails and calls from all over the town so the teams have been going right across the town obviously some areas have larger demographics as far as large families and things um, but they've been visiting right across the town um, as, and as the councillor is saying that the two wards uh, is mentioned are the ones we're looking at um, for a, a potential food waste trial for six months to see whether that makes yet more difference um, and then we'll be reporting back to members to see whether they should be considering that as a, a town-wide option in the future. Mm. Um, so, so last time we, you were here, uh, your representative was here, they're talking about the fact that saving money and central government's cuts basically are responsible for the fact that 
Um, so what you're, you're, it looks like you're pro trying to put a positive spin on it and make it into a recycling initiative. What's, what's no, the truth? No, first of all, <coughs> you know, putting po politics aside and understanding the facts and the reason why we're here, um, we are a small unitary authority heavily reliant on central government funding. Right. So um, for the past, but you have raised the the um, yeah, council no, tax budget. Yeah, the but no, let me let me put let, <laughs> let me answer the question. Um, so we um, had to cut our budget by 130 million pounds. Okay, and we've got further 27 million pounds to cut. So for a small unitary authority heavily reliant on the central government something is going to be affected. So our duty and responsibility is to protect our statutory services and the most vulnerable. So um, when it comes to making those decisions, yeah. we're not alone in going fortnightly. 76% of the councils up and down the country, 248 out of 326 have done so, and the rest will follow suit. And when you talk about recycling, the government also has targets to make. You know, there's, there's, we as a country, as a responsible global partner, have to sign up to environmental targets. Yeah. And when we talk about uh, uh, environment, 50, we have to increase our recycling to uh, 50%. We have a legal responsibility to balance our budget, but at the same time, make efforts to recycle. If we don't, we will get fined. And that fine then again translates in costs in more services. So um, we have done our level best to educate our residents and to make an effort to, to recycle more. We're spending three and a half million pounds on putting and dumping that food into the ground, which can be avoided. Now, no, I, we've I seen examples, we've seen examples where it can be done. I but think that the, the, I guess the aim is, meant, is an admirable one, uh, the aim of reducing food waste and, and, and uh, recycling more if possible. I'm sure there's not many people out there who are against it. It's basically how, how you manage that. And it's that managing aspect of it which has raised the temperature of the local residents. Would you, would you say, Paul? I think, that, I mean, like I said, I mean, from, from, from my personal situation, I mean, if I'm a little bit more understanding, perhaps you, you can understand that there's teething problems. Um, but like I said, when, when my wife contacted on the site, we, we got no reply. And, um, you know, it, 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 is, it is very, very difficult because, you know, having for us, having just that tiny bin, which is our main bin, um, um, my children now are, are pretty much grown up. So it effectively, in terms of size of people it's like four adults and um that that small bin as the main waste bin it just isn't coping and of course now and, and i'm sure you appreciate because you chaps are the experts yeah. um recycling does now by far end up being the majority of your waste and we are really struggling we we can't get everything in the the the, the large black bin which has got the the um large sticker on it we can't get everything in there for the recycling anymore. Well, but that's what that's what council is saying. Allegedly, there is, there is a bigger bin than what you've got, unless you've got the maximum, the biggest. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, with any new service, there's going to be teething problems. Okay, so it's a new service. We just rolled it out, and there are going to be incidences where things are probably not going to go right as we planned. So, what we are uh, trying to do is to get it as right as as possible. And as far as you're concerned, obviously there's more residents like yours, uh, like 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 you with uh, larger families and larger bins. What we're saying is that we will work with you 
we want to make sure that recycling is done correct, that you've done everything that you can. And then if you need an additional bin, we have provided 300. The savings that we make from here will be reinvested into this service and to ensure that we actually allocate more or additional bins or larger bin for people like you. So, like I said, the uh, service is not perfect. We know that. But we are making every effort and we will get there. We, we are quite determined to get there and to provide a best possible service for others. I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't say this um, if I hadn't had experience of dealing with you. But I have met you a few times now. And I'll be honest. I wouldn't say this if I didn't mean it. I have always taken you as a man of your word. So I really do trust that you will do your best. Yes, you can have uh, um, our word, our surety, look, that we might not get it 100% of the mm. uh, right, but we will get it get it close to 100%. Like I said to you, every case that I've followed mm. have resulted in a good outcome. Mm. Um, that I can tell you from a personal perspective. I cannot, uh, you know, uh, uh, answer for others, but we can assure you the cases that you present here today or of people make an effort to contact us, we will try to resolve the issue. Okay. If, if I could just add, about two years ago, we, 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 we did some work looking at recycling bins and the smaller bins, mm. and uh, we used a government grant to uh, replace nearly over 30,000 of the smaller bins for the large bins. So we're down to sort of two or 3,000 with the smaller bins. So if you want that swap... Mm. Email me and I'll get it sorted for you. Well, could you could you perhaps um, tell tell the listeners what the email would be to help us, please? Um, our, our website um, has it under bin collections. Um, if you go under that, you'll find there's assisted loss, damage, neutralizing, managing your waste, uh, and that's where the larger family link is to request the visits. Um, so anybody who who who, who thinks they're recycling bin. Um, the largest one is the 240 litre. Um, but there's a, there's a 360 litre family. There's a 360 litre for larger families for waste. Mm. What we what we do with the recycling is we re supply clear recycling sacks because recycling tends to be a lot lighter and it's just the bulk of it on the crews will pick those up. So you can mm. get those at any time. And once you start using two or three, they'll put two or three each time they come around. If I you need a I lot can, more... I can um, say, actually, yeah. on, a, on a positive note, we, we have been using those, mm. and uh, the recycling sacks have always been picked up and, and taken away. So just to clarify... Sorry, it, it's just the worry that we've had because we've only got this little uh, bin for the, the um, well, I, was, I, I don't, I, you have to forgive me, what's, I don't, dirty waste, what's the correct term? Um, <laughs> in, in the sort of waste geek type, it's residual waste, but everybody calls it rubbish or black bag waste. Okay, so, all right, residual yeah, waste, okay, well, whatever, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm just worried because... It, it's never had we didn't ever have a problem before when it was weekly but but now it's because just one of those little bins that the, you know the, they are quite tiny it is just filled to the top now and i'm really worried about running out of space now um in a two-week cycle if but you want okay. to change that smaller 140 to a 240 for your residual just contact us yep. and we'll get it sorted right, okay so i just want to move on to, to the next headline which which is really what we want to talk about today so um so as it stands at the moment um, clear white labelled uh, bags are allowed for recycling, right? Yes. Uh, but not black bags to go with your black bin, right? That's the rule now. Is uh, is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. the rule. But if you were to put a black bag out now, 
proposal now is that that you 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 you're going to be fined. Well, no, what we uh, find, I think you have to put this uh, into context. Um, okay. uh, what we find is that uh, nationally, fly tipping has become uh, a massive issue. Um, and we also find that... Uh, but this is, not, this is nothing to do yeah, with fly tipping, Yeah, no, no, but how you, the, the fine has to come into force and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to look at. First, picking up on the black bag uh, issue, we've had several cases where the family has worked hard to recycle they've done their job and the neighbor has not bothered and they ended up putting their black bag in someone else's and we're finding that quite uh, quite commonly so and is, we is, is, this is not a solution though isn't it no 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 because no. you're you're gonna get no. so, somebody's gonna get fined no no let, let me complete, let me complete the answer and right. we've also found that we've found a lot of illegal hmos where people have converted their houses into HMOs and we've got, you know, 15, 20 people living there without so, knowing. So what does that mean? HMOs are a house of multiple uh, multiple occupancies. So, oh, so obviously they'd be generating more waste. And to hide that fact, they would be disposing their bags somewhere else. Okay, so we're finding that the household waste and as well as mattresses and washing machines and fridges ending up on our highways um, and on the streets. And it's not making our town look any prettier. Um, that can be resolved by people, first of all, changing their behavior. Secondly, by recycling. And for those who don't, there's going to be a penalty. Now, these penalty um, sort of uh, notices uh, will be for those people who repeatedly are offenders where we find a black bag and it's traced to, to a person um, or any household. But that's, that's nothing new because before, even before, if somebody drops rubbish and then you can trace those people, yeah. there was provision for the fines anyway. Yeah. Right, but what, what this, the way this is reported uh, in Aluton today, uh, what, what that means to me and I guess to everybody else is that if your black bill is, uh, bin is full to the brim, and you use a black bag with it as well, you're going to get fined. That's the way it's coming across. Well, I don't know what the, the papers uh, write out, but the, the, the policy is is to catch those people who are irresponsible and who so are flying. You're, you're saying categorically that if I, if I have a black bag filled along with my black bin because I couldn't cope right with the, the rubbish, I'm not going to get fined. Well, if it, if if it is uh, found to be that you've done your recycling, and properly, and then um, so you've disposed you of, how, how would you do that? How, sorry, how, how how would you do that? So I, I've I've got my green bin fill, filled, and yep. I've got my black bin filled, and yep. I've got a black bag next to my black bin. How are you going to do an investigation? Well, no, for, no. First of all, we've had a case like yours that if your bin is not big enough, it's not, um, and you simply get in touch with us, and we give you that provision, you will have an additional bin, and so you've got something where to dispose. But if you then start illegal, what that's doing is that if you start putting out bags on the street, it encourages everyone else to start dumping start putting the bags out. So we've got to address that issue. If I could okay. just I've only got 30 seconds, I'm afraid. Yeah, so. Explain a bit. The idea is it's not an immediate fine. That's mm. the end. Yeah. So the idea is if you get a sticker about the side waste and you, you do it again, the education team will visit you and see if there's a, a large family or a problem. Right. If you continue, the idea is over a period. We're going to have to pause on there. Thank, thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, uh, Councillor Aslam. Right, stay tuned, uh, listeners. Inshallah, after the break, we'll be talking Brexit.
Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Please do not message or call as the following program is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. Uh, this is Friday Night Live. My name is Safra Kabal. We were talking about the uh, issue of black bags and black bins. Uh, I've been asked to sort of extend that for a little while because um, it got a little bit interesting near the end. And we wanted to finish off uh, on a positive note. So, uh, Sean, you were explaining the process. Uh, the, the pertinent the point that is clarifying really is that if, for example, uh, I... Uh, have actually put a black bag along with my black bin, um, I could potentially get fined. The, the idea is that that's the potential ultimate, the last point. Right. It, it's it's all based on sort of a, a funnel effect, if you think about right. it. The idea is if it happens in some of the trial areas and other you know areas across the town, you may get a sticker from the crew. If you do that on the next cycle you'll get another sticker, and then you'll get an education visit from one of the officers who will actually see, is it a genuine problem? Is it a legal or illegal HMO? You know, is it a bin capacity? Do you need more recycling sacks? And only if you persist after that, that's when the enforcement so, comes in and the so potential So the bin men will take note once they put the sticker out, would they? Yeah, we, we have a, what's called an in-cab system um, that has a database of everything across the town. That's how they run the collections and yeah. perhaps uh, if I, if I could just um, fill in with you Sean there because we discussed this quickly in the break because mm. I hadn't understood this um, one of the reasons why the council are doing this just in case you're worried is that there are houses out there when 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 Sean said HMOs where you you get we, we have rural landlords with anything up to 20 people living in one house so of course the the amount of rubbish that the the, 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 the poor tenants are generating is just impossibly manageable with the bins. So, unfortunately, the council has no other way but to use this to patrol it. So, obviously, this is this is a way to um, spot these rogue landlords and make sure that they're doing things properly as well, isn't it, Sean? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, uh, <coughs> you're, you're quite right, and there's a couple of things that uh, which are facing our troubles some, and is 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 really uh, making uh, the, or uh, creating a bad image for our town. Mm. One fly tipping of mattresses, settees, and again, these are as a result of rogue landlords having HMOs, and instead of disposing the the uh, those goods uh, in through proper channels, they end up on our streets. Mm. Um, secondly, for those people who do extensions and someone turns up uh, on their doorsteps and offers to remove that rubble for 20 pounds guess where he ends up it's on our highways and and again thirdly for those people who, irres- who are not responsible don't recycle what they do they put everything on the bag and guess where he ends up in someone else's bin or on highways or on alleyways and we want to put a stop to this so it's not about you know uh, uh, creating a fear within the society it's about ensuring that you know our town is clean and safe and tidy and so there's a process to this we're not going to be going around and finding every, uh, everyone we're going to be monitoring the situations but we're going to go be going uh, after those ir- irresponsible people who are creating health and safety and environmental issues in our town right okay just one last question before we end it so so what one combination or iteration of a of a 
or a scenario. So um, you have a you have a two two forty or two sixty liter bin, yeah. right? That's full to the brim. This is a black one, right? Yeah. So you collect everything in a black bin, right? So when the the uh, collection vehicle comes along, you actually physically yourself go and pop it in there. Is that allowed? Not the bin <laughs> men, but but you actually go and pop it in there. It, not for them to put it in the back of the dust cart. Right. I mean, because it is a, a, a complicated bit of machinery, but you have a certain capacity. You've filled it, it. If it's emptied and it's put back on your property, if you want to fill it up again, it will, won't be emptied till the next time. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so the bin men won't do anything for you. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Aslam and Sean, uh, for coming in today to the studio. It's been a really good discussion today. Yeah. Uh, I hope we can still be friends after. Yeah, no, we are. <laughs> no, thank you for inviting. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. We were talking you, about uh, uh, Brock Council and, and the Black Bins uh, report that was in the Luton today uh, about being fined if you had a Black Bin bag next to your Black Bin. Right. So the, the real aim, we, we're told, is to, to uh, basically catch fly tippers. Um, but uh, don't forget, you might get caught out on it, the whole process. All right, uh, be careful. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Okay, so we want to move on to our next topic of discussion. Um, now, uh, you may have been living on a different planet if you haven't been aware, at least, uh, of things happening around Brexit. Brexit is uh, rapidly coming towards us. Um, and... Um, I'm not sure we can avoid it. Um, can the, we avoid it? I the, don't the know. Chaos, the chaos, the night nightmare, the debacle that is that total lack of management on this issue. It, oh, it, defi right. it defies okay. belief, okay. doesn't so it? We, we've got some experts who can talk about this. We've got uh, our regular Brexit uh, guest, I guess, Dr. Stephen Barber, who uh, was a principal lecturer at uh, and the director of MBA at Luton University of Bedfordshire. Uh, got Luton University in there again. I got told off last time for that, but it's University of Bedfordshire, people. University of Bedfordshire, get it right next time. And we also have uh, this time uh, on uh, uh, on the line is uh, Dennis Novi, Associate Professor of Economics uh, from Warwick University, uh, University of Warwick, a research fellow at the Centre of Economic Policy Research. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much for joining me today. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Good evening. So I, I want to first of all, I, I know there's lots of information out there and there's lots of things that have happened this week. Uh, so can Dr. Stephen just give us an update on what's happened this week so far, please? <laughs> uh, how long have we got? Uh, we, we've got about 20 minutes here, but go oh, on. All right, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, Talk fast. the big news, of course, this week is that um, the inevitable happened. It's, it's what we've, we've all been expecting uh, since actually the last time uh, I was on your program uh, before Christmas, uh, and that is that Theresa May has brought forward her proposals to Parliament. Uh, remember, um, she uh, postponed bringing them uh, forward uh, at the original date in December uh, in the hope of garnering more support among mm. uh, backbenchers, um, and it's resoundingly been rejected by Parliament by a majority of 230, which is uh, easily the largest defeat um, uh, in comparable history. Um, and you would expect that that would mean that the uh, proposals are really dead as a dodo, uh, but it seems that the Prime Minister is determined to bring them back in some sort of revamped form. 
Mm. Um, at the same time, she has survived uh, a vote of no confidence in her government, which might have precipitated a, a change, of, well, certainly would have precipitated a change in government and might have precipitated a, uh, a general election. Right. Uh, and that's something which the uh, opposition Labour Party uh, brought forward. Uh, and it's something that they've actually been quite reluctant to bring forward, partly because what happened, you know, it, it, it wasn't carried. The government uh, held the day, and there's not much point holding uh, a vote of no confidence, which just reaffirms confidence in the government, and partly because the line that Jeremy Corbyn has been uh, holding is that uh, he wanted a general election, not a new referendum, and not not the deal, whatever it is. Now that's clear that he can't have a general election, so it puts the pressure on him to say, really, what is it that he that he wants to achieve? Right, OK, so he's put him under pressure rather than Theresa May. A little bit fit. more. Um, well, actually, the, the, in a sense, the... Well, surely uh, Theresa May... No confidence. Surely Theresa May, Stephen, she has to present something before he can actually put an opinion of opposition to it. Oh, sure, but, but if, you, if what you're saying... I mean, if you're leader of the opposition, you're the alternative prime minister, uh, and you are leading an alternative government... So there is some pressure on him, I think, uh, increasingly. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not as much pressure as on Theresa May, who, who has a huge amount of pressure on her. It doesn't seem to, to make too much difference to her. But there is pressure on him, really, to say what the alternative is, were there to be um, a change of government. Gentlemen, right. can I just put this to you? Uh, because this has actually been my analysis of the situation. It seems, seems to me that she, she, she's not a ditherer. She, she, she's, I, I think she, she's, she's a very cunning politician. You don't get to have the, 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 the seat that she has um, without being so. And I see it that um, she uh, is using this tactic of um, delay although she, she says she isn't, uh, but the whole reason why she's doing it is because she can't be seen to come out with um, out putting forward a deal, but the, the, the reality is this isn't about what's good for the country, it's actually what's good for holding the Tory party together. This situation has been going on with the Eurosceptics since the mid, uh, well, not the mid, the early 1990s from John Major, and really, looking back from when, when, I, when I was in my early 20s, I can't see absolutely anything that has changed since then to now. I, th I think I'd accept some of that. I would accept that uh, certainly in putting together a deal, she's trying to hold her party together. I, I, I think in some respects what she's done is just unite the two sides in opposition to her. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I, so, I, I'm not sure the th the th But she's, she's got 120 of her own p MPs, if you take out the DUP, roughly, that voted against her. So the issue is... She, she is the rock between a hard place, and she's gonna, she, she is gonna try and flog this dead horse back into life because. Yeah, I uh, mean, I mean, you, you kind of presented this as uh, some sort of cunning, um, uh, sort of political brilliance, but I, I mean, I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's the. Well, well, well I, 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 I was actually trying. I, I was being I, a bit facetious there, but. Could uh, I just bring Dennis in? De Dennis, uh, I welcome to Inspire FM. Uh, so I, I guess um, what I desperately want to uh, want to know is is where to go from now if that bill has been sort of that proposal the deal has been rejected uh what's on the table and, and what are the options i guess well i mean the country 
has to make up its mind, and I think that will happen through Parliament. I think everyone is terribly exasperated by what happened, because it seems now that for over two years we've gone in circles, we keep on coming back to the same issues over and over and over again. And I think the reason for that is quite simple, because the decision, the choice hasn't been made. I mean, to a large extent over the last two years, the country has been in denial about the choice. A lot of people have been told that we can leave the European Union, but at the same time keep the benefits. Mm. That's Mm. not going to be the case. I mean, either we stay close to the European Union or even in the European Union, Mm. in which case Brexit won't happen, at least not in the way that probably most people would think about Brexit. Or we move away from the European Union. That decision has been there since June 2016 and hasn't been made. And I think that's ultimately also the problem uh, with Theresa May's deal. I mean, once people looked at it, I'm actually glad that somehow finally there has been made some form of decision now, at least in the beginning in Parliament, because MPs have now looked at the deal and the details. And it turns out the deal is just not attractive, Mm. neither if you're a Remainer nor if you are a Lever. And that's going to be exactly the issue from now on. We will have to look at different options, and people will have to decide whether they like them or not. So either we could be much closer to the EU, that would be some kind of Norway-style deal. Mm. Um, but that's a bit pointless in many ways, because... Then we, have we, no, well we, then we have no, we have no say in the laws that we're agreeing to, because essentially we are agreeing, exactly. aren't we? So, but, exactly. but, but, um, so then, the, then you might as well argue, might as well stay in the EU because economically it's going to be pretty much the same, and politically, with one big difference, we will still be able to mm. have a say in the rules. Mm. So that's one choice. The other choice would be where well, we go for a really hard Brexit, or perhaps a Canada-style deal where we leave the single market, we leave the customs union. That will come with a lot of economic disruption, possibly long-term, especially for manufacturing in the UK. Um, but maybe that's something that people want to accept. But these are these are the options. It doesn't matter whether you're a Remainer, it doesn't matter whether you're a Lever, but this is the choice we will mm. ultimately have to make, and kicking can down the road that is no longer viable. Well, k- kicking the can da- down the road has only uh, just brought the no-deal Brexit uh, closer, hasn't it? Um, yes and no. I mean, uh, no no deal is the default option, but uh, I don't think it's terribly likely for a simple reason. I mean, if you look at the numbers in Parliament, there are 650 MPs. Mm. How many of them actually want a no deal? It's mm. maybe 70 or 80, mainly on the Conservative benches. Maybe there's also a few on the Labour benches, like Kate Hoey, for example. But it's, it's maybe 70, 80. So the, the, the remaining 500 and something, the vast majority of MPs, do not want no deal. That's the one thing. But how can, how can they stop it, though? Is, isn't it by default a no deal? If you can't get a deal, then by default you get no deal. And no deal is by default. No, well, I mean, what can can, how can they block it? It can be stopped by uh, extending Article 50 or even revoking Article 50. The question is, how can that practically happen? Because typically that would have to run through the government. Mm. It would somehow have to mean that Parliament takes control of the process. Now, how exactly that can happen is is not easy to see, but I think there's a very strong majority against no deal. So I I think that's fairly unlikely. Right. Stephen, I'm just looking at... uh, uh, infographic on CNN 
Uh, and, and basically, the, the options he's presenting is renegotiate, general election, second referendum, uh, referendum no deal Brexit. And, and I guess basically the outcomes are two, effectively. One mm. outcome is, is basically extend uh, Article 50, and the other sort of outcome really is, is crash out of EU with no deal. Uh, which yes, one, but I mean, which... the out, you're, you're, you're talking about outcomes, but I mean, they right. are means, means to an end, in a sense. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, mm. the uh, departure date is rapidly approaching, uh, March the 29th. At this stage, we either say, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get on with it and, and just allow us to crash out and, uh, um, and put the pieces back together, or we have some sort of extension. And, and the extension is either something where we literally agree an extension with the uh, the rest of the EU, which case it needs all of the uh, other members of the EU to agree that. Mm. Uh, I suspect they would only agree that in uh, on the condition that there is a purpose for that extension. So it's not just, we don't know what we're doing, can we extend it for, for a year mm. or six months or whatever it might be. It would be, we want to extend it because there's a need for a referendum. Mm. I and, and are you, are you going to put your kind of like uh, hat in a ring and then say which, which one is going to happen? I suspect we will um, we, we will extend. I, I, I cannot believe that, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Dennis just said. I cannot believe that, well, certainly Parliament won't allow it, but I don't even believe that this government would ultimately allow us just to crash out on, on March the 29th. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's actually people in government, cabinet ministers, mm. who are strictly against no deal. Who well, yeah, there was, so twen- there was 20 this morning threatened to resign if uh, yeah, yeah. they didn't get an assurance that uh, that they would have a go-ahead from and, the Prime I mean, Minister, that there would be no, a no deal scenario. There would not be, sorry, a no deal scenario. Yeah, I mean, right. that, just, that, that, actually, right. that just goes to show how intransigent and belligerent the Prime Minister is, that, 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 that despite the fact yeah, she's, she's thinks, had a leadership she challenge, she she's been back. defeated with the biggest, perhaps, um, uh, a defeat almost in history, that still, to get her to understand the gravity of the situation, 20 of her ministers this morning had to make that, well, it wasn't a veiled threat, an open threat to her. I mean... I mean, they say a week is a long time in politics. At the moment, five minutes is a long time in politics. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think she's she's sort of. I, I think you kind of put your finger on it uh, uh, a few minutes ago, where she she sort of belligerently is stuck to this <laughs> this kind of deal that she's got, and she's prepared to sort of tweak it slightly, maybe. But she wants to essentially bring the same deal back. We'll get we'll get an idea of it on, well, the, the, uh, on Monday. The letter. I mean, I don't know what you think, gentlemen, but the, the letter which was leaked via, and it was I was watching it um, with uh, um, the, the presenter on uh, BBC News that was leaked to the BBC. She still, which, the letters that she wrote to Jeremy Corbyn, she was still reiterating the, the deal and, and, and trying to say that it was a good deal after this defeat when she was trying to get the leader of the opposition to come to meet with her. I couldn't believe yeah, and, and what I was seeing. It's classic Maybot, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So uh, I just the sad thing about this is she's reaching out now uh, to, uh, to to maybe other parties, reaching out but without really being prepared to to compromise. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, but she's it, reaching out at a time when she's got no authority to do so. Now, yeah. when she became prime minister, there was a lot of goodwill right across the political spectrum. I spoke to Labour mm. uh, politicians at the time, and, and they talked about there being a grown-up in charge. They were quite willing to to work with her, and she wasn't prepared to do that then. It's it's really just too late now, and uh, having rejected the deal, she also has very little authority 
to say, you know, come on board. Um, and Gentlemen, she doesn't seem to be giving anything to them. Gentlemen, can I, I mean, ask... The problem with her deal is, I mean, there's a subst- there's substance here that is mm. problematic, because I think Theresa May's impetus now is just to get it over line, because people mm. are saying, can we just get on? Can we just do it, right? And, and that's why she keeps on pushing this point, or oh, let's just get it done with, and so on. Now, the problem with that is, there, there, there's an issue with that, because if you look at the details of the deal, it's actually not a very favorable deal to the UK. Mm, no. I mean, the backstop is in there, which probably would mean the UK would indefinitely stay in the customs union, because these other solutions, technological solutions, as they're called, that have been suggested for the northern Irish border, they don't exist anywhere in the world, and we, don't have, no, we have no idea how they could possibly exist. It's essentially a unicorn. Right. Mm. So, so, so on, on, on that details, point... It's not going to happen. So on that point, uh, Northern Ireland border is a binary, isn't it? Right? You either have the border or you don't have the border. And, and both options are bad options. There's no way to overcome that, is there? And bear in mind, we talk about this as being a border with Northern Ireland. Of course, it's not simply a border. Sorry, you know, it's not simply a border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Sure. It's a border between the UK and the rest of the EU. EU. That's right. And, mm, and, mm. and it's the, the, the kind of Brexiteer... Uh, kind of language is always about it just simply being about between Britain and Ireland, and it's not. Mm. It's, it's a much mm. bigger proposition than that. And, I, I think and there's the br- also a lot of misunderstanding on the UK side. I mean, you still hear some people saying, oh, if the Irish or mm. if the European Union want to impose the border, let them do it. We're not going to do it. Well, that is uh, so wrong in so many ways, because by a matter, as a matter of international law, you have to introduce controls, for example, inspections of animals, health and safety, consumer mm-hmm. safety, and so on. That is, so if somebody suggests that we don't have to have border controls in case of a hard Brexit, that means they are, they are suggesting Britain become a pariah state mm. that breaks international <laughs> law. But so, so that, that kind of level of delusion is still very much around us, a level of misinformation. What concerns, and we've got to go beyond that. What concerns me, gentlemen, and nobody, nobody in the political arena is saying this because I think they're afraid to bring it up, but unless you're, unless you're a person in your 50s, you won't remember, and it was literally that, the war that was going on in Northern Ireland up until 1997, because let's face it, that's what it was for those of us that are old enough to remember it. And what concerns me... You don't need to be in your 50s. Well, no, but, but what can what, but but literally remembering the bombing, literally everyone that was happening. You know, you, you're not going to remember it if if you're a voter in your thirties, as many many people are, mm. and. It, it literally was a war. And w- what concerns me, we've now had two years where the Northern Ireland Parliament has had no governmentship, has had to revert back to Westminster because there has been no deal between the DUP and, the, um, and Sinn Féin. And right at the time where we've, we've had this political vacuum in Northern Ireland, they're now saying, yes, let's go ahead with this. This is acceptable. And just on that alone, it should be a total deal break. And the Prime Minister herself stood in Parliament and said that this would be an unthinkable position that she or any other British Prime Minister could ever agree to. And that's exactly what she presented to Parliament. It, it, yeah, I mean, and, seriously, and, it beggars and, belief. You know? And it goes back to your very first point, which is that actually the, problem with the, 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 the problems that Theresa May really has now really go back to how she set out what she was going to achieve at the beginning, which essentially was utterly unachievable. She couldn't do all of these things. 
And the great irony was that, of course, when she called that general election and then failed to win a majority, she, uh, the, the great irony was that she's propped up in Parliament by those DUP MPs. Yeah, but it, but, uh, yes, indeed, but, that's but, the but, biggest but, one, biggest but, irony there is. Yeah, but 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 it's okay, gentlemen. It well, was a, it is a strong <laughs> it is a strong and stable relationship. It only cost it only cost one billion for each MP. <laughs> Which, if you yeah, translate, and, uh, if you if you translate per capita, of, if you translate per capita of the uh, 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 of the UK population, it would only translate for the for the rest of the UK to perhaps I don't know, I guess maybe, ooh, what, maybe a hundred billion to be for, for us to be on parity with what she spent. Maybe I don't, and that's just an, uh, off off the top of my head. Okay, guess, right. gentlemen, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get where you're, you're coming at it, and uh, and and the um, unfortunate thing for Theresa May is, of course, they don't even vote with her government most of the time. Mm. But the, I, I just want to bring in the. the no confidence vote. Uh, I think uh, I was when I was when I was reading about it. And I thought this is going to be a biggest on goal. To be honest, it's not going to get anywhere. All it's going to do basically is 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 going to give her an opportunity to basically get some credibility after the after the massive defeat the the day before. It, it, it in a sense it says Parliament has confidence in this government. Yes, mm. uh, which is why which is why the opposition was actually reluctant to to bring that confidence motion uh, before Christmas, if you remember, when there was a lot of pressure to do so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I think some I mean, of the... Can I, can I just say uh, something, speaking as economists, if you look at uh, the um, economic reactions to what happened last week, what's quite interesting, the pound has... Rose, isn't it? So the depreciation uh, that happened after the referendum has gotten weaker and the pound actually has become quite a bit stronger. And this is an anticipation that financial markets think a hard Brexit is less likely right mm. and uh, the reason is because now finally decisions have to be made and we're going to see next week perhaps in Parliament there will be one option voted against the other and so on and so on anyway that process has started mm. and if you stop that process now if you actually go back to a hard brexit by default because the government and Parliament can't decide anything then we will see a reaction very rapidly in financial markets, and and that will then again put pressure on on politicians. Right. Okay. So, so I'm, fa I'm fast. I'm fast running out of time. Uh, Dr. Stephen Barber, Dennis Noive, thank you very much for your uh, your you enlightening us today today on this very difficult topic to understand, really, from a layman's perspective. But thank you once thank again. You, thank you, gentlemen. It was a real pleasure. pleasure. You're welcome. Pleasure. Right, okay, we're going to take a short break, and we'll, when we come back, we're going to talk about another local issue. This is about Luton Town Football Club. Stay tuned, inshallah. Your new full-time community radio station, Inspire FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. Uh, this is Friday Night Live with me, Zafar Iqbal and Abu Bakr Cooper. Um, we were discussing Brexit before the break and what a discussion it was. You enjoyed it? Oh, I, I was thrilled. They, they were they were two wonderful guests. They were they were they were really good, knowledgeable guests. Lovely, real pleasure to talk to those chaps. It really was. Yeah, it, it's 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 nice to to be able to break down some of these things into the. I guess the the different options and outcomes, and they're well but informed. Let's face it; the reality is, most of what Brexit is, it's about it, it's people having this idea of bringing back power and sovereignty. And, and, and it's a pity we don't have a little bit more time because what I really would like to have asked them, objectively, forgetting about sovereignty and taking back power, which is important for some people, and I do get it. But what worries me the most, I don't want to see 
anyone lose jobs I, I what i would have loved to have had the time to ask them is what is the outcome that is impact, going to project the impact yeah the what's impact. the outcome that is going to protect people's jobs the best mm. because that is the, i think that would be a great question and that's something that the the, the public in britain really need to know better none I, of this I, was, I, I, none of this was discussed at brexit nobody's discussing it since but it is the it is the issue that is going to matter to everyone if things go Yeah, one of the things, uh, well, I don't understand the, the complicated sort of pros and cons of the whole thing. I still don't after all these discussions. But one thing that, that I did, I guess, discuss and raise was most of our fruit and veg comes from Spain. So if Spain was about was going to put up some tariffs, our grocery bill is going to rise, I guess, uh, fairly sharpishly. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next topic of discussion today. Uh, and I have on the line... Uh, Chairman David Wilkinson, Luton Football Club. Uh, welcome, David. Welcome to Good Inspire evening. FM. Good evening. Good evening, I, David. I was, I was going to actually introduce the, the, the topic of discussion, but the only thing I've got in the description is, finally, that's all I've got. <laughs> right? right. So I'm going to allow you to fill in, right, the rest of it. <laughs> I, I suppose that refers to... Um, planning consent for a power court, which, um, yes, which we indeed, got yeah. on uh, Wednesday evening. Um, and, uh, yeah, a, a, a wonderful, momentous uh, result that was. Mm -hmm. But um, as I think a lot of people know, it's, uh, it's only half time. And uh, we have another, um, a, a, another, another application in, which um, uh, is coming up in a few weeks' time, mm -hmm. uh, which is more important in some ways because it's it's it funds the building of the stadium at uh, at power court okay so so what, what what's different about this application uh, to maybe we luton luton's been i guess for the past 70 years trying to move from from different places isn't it according to uh, according to luton today and i know if, if, i guess from living in luton uh, there's been a number of attempts to have a stadium, the Cola Dome, uh, you know, Junction 13, Junction 14, Milton Keynes, all sorts of different places. <laughs> well, what's so different about this, this particular uh, well, I, application? I, I, I've been a fan for, um, uh, this is my 61st season of, of being a, wow. a, a Luton Town fan. And for every one of those years, there's been some kind of plan put forward. Mm -hmm. um, none of them, most of them haven't got very far. Right. I mean, everything from mm. off Dunstable Road to uh, to Stockwood Park to uh, Losey Farm to all over the place. Mm. Um, I, I think this time, a the owners of the football club, us, mm -hmm. uh, are now our fans. Every mm. single one of the directors, bar one, yeah. were born in Luton, right? Um, and you know, realised that actually the football club can be a catalyst to to a, a, a making Luton a better place. Indeed, yeah. And Power Court sits there as a, as, a, 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 as a derelict site and has done now for, I think it's 12 years. Many years, um, yeah. And, and it needs something to make, it, to make it work again. And lots of major companies, um, the previous two owners, have failed to be able to do anything mm -hmm. uh, with it because it's expensive, Uh, it's got a river running through it underneath. It's got 
power station, uh, a power a substation. Oh, of on course, it. yeah. The, ri- the, the, the river is That's the right, river's yeah. tunnelled under, isn't it? Uh, the goes underneath. Yes, yes David, I remember that. Yeah, the river's tunnelled under there, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and what we're what we're planning here is we're planning to bring the river out. Um, oh, right. From underneath and make it a, a feature. Well, it should be. I mean, Luton is named after uh, after the River Lee. Yeah, yeah. That, Lee that, Town. That, and, Lee Town yeah, originally, wasn't it? Lee Town it was originally. Yeah. And, and so that's one of the things we want to do with the stadium is to bring out that. We've got to move the substation. Um, we've got to clear up the um, uh, the mess that, that the power station left behind. So it's, 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 it's you know, it's polluted land. Mm. So that's a, an expensive process, and building stadium, of course. Mm. Um, and the second, um, the second application up at um, up at Junction Ten uh, basically pays for all that work. All right. And so th- th- this is this is the building of the, um, the, I guess, the shopping complex, right? Which is well, goes it, hand it, in hand. Yes, I think shopping. I think that's the wrong, the wrong thing to call it because it, it's really a. Uh, it, it's a mixed-use development. It's going to be offices. It's going to be restaurants. It's going to be uh, yes, some retail. Mm. Uh, it's going to be leisure, uh, including you know cinemas and things like that. So it's going to be everything, uh, sort of modern shopping stroke leisure area. That sounds exciting. Where, where precisely is that, David? It's uh, Junction Ten. Do you know? Um, if you know the, um, you know where the, the, the airport junction, where Airport Way comes off the M1. Yes. It's on the left-hand side between. Oh, the, where, the, where the where it says "Welcome to Luton." That 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 that's side. That's it. Well, on the left of yes, on the left of that, between Stockwood Park yes. and the Slip Road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely, is. lovely. Okay. So, um, so how, how has that meant? Planning. Sorry, two no. and a half years ago, it's been in with the council for. Hmm. Um. And as I say, it was in two applications, and the first one's been approved, and the second one we're hoping will be approved um, at the next meeting, uh, which is, I think, well, we just put it back. We've asked for it to be put back. That does sound um, exciting, the, yeah. So, 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 so that, that, one relates, that one relates to the, 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 the new complex at Junction 10, the, the finest one that you talked about. That's right, yes. Okay. Yes. So, so one, one thing is, wherever, uh, you know... Um, the Luton's home ground was proposed previously, you've had opposition. Mm. So when it was Stockwood Park and Junction 10 to the Cola Dome, the residents of that place actually took it all the way to the uh, um, Deputy Prime Minister, didn't they? Uh, and, I think, yeah. Well, the Cola Dome, I think, got approval in the end, didn't it? I'm not sure about that history, but most of them have been turned down. Right. This time, the only real objections... Uh, have been from capital and regional and and the mal right uh, who are who if you like are, are objecting because they think that it will cost them business in the mal right um, we've done lots of studies and lots of work which show that the effect it it would be minimal and actually i I tend to feel that if if you liven up if you bring something to the town center at mm. power court yeah. and make the town a more attractive and better place for people to come to, that actually it it, it could improve. Yeah, I mean, if you got uh, if, if you got I don't know twenty thousand people coming, that's 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 footfall, isn't it? So you would have thought that yes. uh, that footfall well, some some that, of it eventually will end up in the town. That's right, absolutely. But but not only that, but the 
but the, but the power court side is not just a football stadium. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be apartments. There's 550 apartments. Wow. There's going to be a music venue. There's going to be uh, restaurants and and other you know sort of sporting type retail. I think there's going to be health facilities. There's going to be all sorts of things there, which will attract people, you know, away from match days. Right. Okay. You know, so, so it'll be something that can be used 365 days a year. Right. Okay. So it's more than a stadium. Then it's, it's lots of other activities. It is. Yes. It's. I mean, we, we're being Lutonians. We we really, really believe that it will make a huge difference to and jobs and everything else. Huge difference to the town. Mm. Um, as a gateway at 10, it was mm. a nice place to come into and attract people into the town, which is what we want to do. It's, it's nicely located as well, isn't it? It's in between two railway stations, and then you've got it, the... It, so, yes, it's good for transport and on the busway. On the busway, yeah, the busway, and then you've got, um, I guess, the M1 um, extension into sort of Luton well, Airport. That, that comes... Yeah, we're, try, we're, try, we're going to try and persuade people to use public transport. Hmm. Um, because uh, you, you don't really want a lot more traffic in the town centre, although it's only 20 days a year or 23 days a year for, for matches. But so what, what, really what's, what's the timeline then? What, 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 when are we actually going to see something being built and what's the process well, and the stages? Um, if we get permission in a few weeks' time for, um, for, for um, Newlands Park, which is the Junction 10 bit, yeah. Um, We'll then have to go through uh, the process of, the, uh, of we have to get, you know, it has to get permission from the Secretary of State and we may get um, a judicial review against us and all sorts of things. So there's a bit of delay there, possibly. Right. Then we get into detailed uh, planning permission, mm -hmm. uh, which is just, you know, giving um, technical details as to what's happening. Not, this is outline we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, that could be a year, so we may be talking starting in uh, what twenty twenty, I suppose. Right. Okay. Starting building by then, but it's it's as I say, it's been sixty years, so mm. <laughs> another couple of years won't make that much difference, I guess. I, so, Dave, I, the, the, I, the, I live long enough. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, let, let, let's hope so. It sounds very exciting, um, David. So, so what what? what what is the capacity of the, the the new stadium compared to the present one, David? Okay, it's going to be built to twenty three thousand, right? Um, which is uh, current stadium is ten. Wow! So it's a big difference. Um, it's a huge difference then. Yep, but it's only going to and initially we're only going to um, uh, have it open for seventeen and a half thousand until we can prove that people get in and out. Easily, so, yeah. oh, okay. so we're going to we're going to hold back on the extra capacity yeah. until it's needed, and also we don't want, like some places have, we don't want a stadium that's going to be empty hmm. because there's no atmosphere, there's no real, you know, sure. excitement if a stadium's empty. So we want to sort of hold it back and, and sort of suck it and see rather, you know. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be? Is it just going to be a football venue, or you're hoping that to make it into a? A multi-sports. Uh, no, we would do what anything that we 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 can. I mean, I'm sure the possibility of music, but we're going to have a music, a smaller sort of music venue type mm. concert, uh, little concert hall uh, next to it mm. um, is the plan. So that's and that sort of fits in with the uh, with the um, with the quarter down there, doesn't it? The Hat District and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so so that uh, 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 that's part of the plan um and maybe there'll be a hotel on that site too no, i'm so thinking maybe an athletics track or um sorry or, uh, no i don't think that so that because that takes away the atmosphere of a football of the full stadium right, okay right but 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 you know there's no reason why we shouldn't um you know have have uh concerts and things like that and there may be other sporting facilities nearby and mm. i'm sure we'll be looking at that sort of thing okay all right so it's, it's going to be pretty good it won't be anything like like a hockey pitch or anything like that maybe or could that be used for that for that purpose well, or not? It, 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 it depends upon again it depends upon the usage i mean yeah. um these days it, it, it you know pitches can be used a lot more than perhaps they could in the old days with you know the new sort of half plastic and, and mm. that sort mm. of thing but right okay um so I, I guess that the question, the other question really is, is what's going to happen to the current home, uh, Luton Football Ground? Well, well it's, it, it, it doesn't belong to us. Right. Um, so it'll revert back to the council. Okay. And I would have thought it was quite exciting there too, to, to, to develop that as part of Berry Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe some open space there and, uh, mm-hmm. and some affordable housing and all sorts of stuff. I mean, it, would be for the community and the council to, 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 to sort of decide what they want to do with that. Because mm. it's sort of... Oh, so that, 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 that site is actually owned by the uh, the local council, is it, David? Council owns that. We, we lease it. Yeah, we have a 10-year lease on it. Oh, uh, I see. I didn't know. But it's know. owned by the council. We, 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 it was sold by the club um, about 20 years ago uh, to the council when the club nearly went broke um, under uh, David Evans. Who was then the chairman, right, right. Um, and it's been leased by the club ever since. Right. Okay. So, David, uh, I mean, this is this is bold planning, of course, um, yes. um, uh, and, and I'm obviously talking to the ideal person that, that can help me out. Um, and I, I, I'm one of those sad people, as my students tell me. I've had, I've had, I've had boys tell me, "Sir, you do not have a life," because I don't know anything about football. Okay. Could you, could you perhaps share with us the the because I did uh, I did come across some um, good fortune and um, successes that that the club has had recently. Um, could yes. you perhaps share them with with us? To I mean, because it would be nice to, to 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 clearly have them from the chairman and and um, where where where, you, where, where, th- where you're hoping things are, are going with the success of the club. Um, well, if you mean the history of the club, well, perhaps. Uh, well, like where you are in the in the division and, and successes oh, well, you've uh, had. Okay. Well, since we we took over, um, we took over ten years ago mm. uh, because the previous owners uh, had really run the club pretty well into the ground, and yeah. it went into administration. Mm. Um, and since then, we've sort of struggled quite hard to get it back to um, from the very bottom. Went mm. down into the uh, non-league, we really, isn't it? We went down out of the football league, um, and we've battled hard to get back. And we are now second uh, in League One, which is um, the third tier. Mm. Uh, the top two go up automatically into the championship, mm. and the third club goes up by way of a playoff of the next four teams. Um, so we're in with a very good chance mm. of promotion this year. Yeah, we have um, we have a very good squad, um, and uh, so 
you know, we, we've played some quite big games recently, um, mm-hmm. and this has been a big month for the club because we're playing a lot of the top sides. You're playing Chelsea, aren't you? Um, we, no, we're not, no. No? <laughs> we played Sheffield Wednesday and lost on oh. Tuesday. Oh, right, OK. Sorry that. No, no, it was, we should have won, but we didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it would have been, we got close, we mm-hmm. lost 1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would have otherwise have been playing Chelsea in the Cup. But we played Sunderland last week and, uh, and drew with them up at, uh, up at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow we've got Peterborough, who are up also quite high up in the league, coming to Kenilworth Road. So, so next is Championship and perhaps Premier League after that. Absolutely. Well, the thing about the new stadium that's important is that Kenilworth Road is too small to mm. sustain a, a football club, really. Yeah. Um, because of course, you, because of course, you need the numbers coming so that you can get the yes. revenue. Of course, so that you can, I, su- I suppose, go and look for the the players that you'd like to buy That's to right. progress, isn't That's it? Right. Yeah. Yes, it, it just gives us, and and it'll attract more people to come in from the outside. Mm. People, I mean, football these days. There's a lot of tourism in football. You yeah, know, if you yeah. go to a, the big grounds like you, you know, like um, Arsenal and. Uh, and the new Spurs and all the rest of it, that, that they have tourists coming in rather than, you know, just a regular fans. Mm. And, and you need to attract people in, because Luton's in a wonderful position for that, isn't it? Mm. Does, does yeah. Luton have the fan base, Doug? I mean, you're, you're thinking about... We 20- have a fabulous fan base. When, when we went to um, uh, our first big game when we took over in, 19, in, sorry, in 2009 mm. was um, the... Uh, Johnson Paints Trophy at Wembley. Yeah. And we took 42,000 fans. Wow. 42,000. Wow. Goodness yeah. me. Right. So it's, it's in a big league, I guess, in terms of supporters then. Well, when we went to, um, when we went to, Sun, uh, to West Brom recently in the, uh, in the FA Cup, mm-hmm. uh, we took five odd thousand up there. Wow. We took 3,000 all the way to Sunderland last Saturday. Wow. It's that's... a, we're a very, very well-followed team. And they're not all living in Luton, of course. We have fans <laughs> scattered around everywhere. And the world, from but, what I hear. Yes. So, yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, I guess that the, the tragedy thing is because lots has happened to Luton Town Football Club, some of the youngsters uh, perhaps are more attracted to, to the bigger clubs like Liverpool and, and Man City and, and, and those yes. likes because Luton are, has been in the headlines. I think they are until you go to a game, and I think any. I don't know whether you you go to football at all, but if you go to a game, a live game, particularly yeah. at somewhere like Kenilworth Road, there's nothing like it. The atmosphere, yeah, it's just a, it's a joy, um, and it's hard to describe unless you're there. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like watching it on the telly. No, no, indeed, yeah. Except, except if you, you dare not blink, yeah, <laughs> you might miss the goal. So that, that that was my experience when I watched uh, watched Chelsea at Wembley. I think we were in the yeah. semi-finals back in ninety something or other, uh, yeah. and I missed the goals to be honest. <laughs> I blinked, so I was sitting on the I was on on the way on the other yeah, side. That, so that can happen, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. But, um, no. So where where were we? I forgot what we were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just want—I guess we're, we're going another five minutes at most. Um, yeah. But I just wanted your your comment on the fact that uh, the the managers decided to move on. We were very disappointed. His timing uh, couldn't have been worse for us. Uh, yeah. We didn't expect it, um, and 
he did a wonderful job for us. He he, he put he's he's we've got a, a, a great squad. Um, we're we're a division higher than when he took over. Mm-hmm. Um, we had three years with him, and he was you know seemingly very passionate uh, and um, you know very with us. But as soon as a better offer came along, mm-hmm. he decided to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's made it difficult because of the time it is. You, I don't know whether yeah. you know, but January is is the yes. sort of transfer window, mm. um, and uh, so it's the month when you bring players in if you need them. Correct. And yeah. because we're so because we're so close, we're so high up, and and we've got such a good chance of promotion. Mm. You want to be able to have as strong a squad as you can to go through for the rest of the season. Indeed, yeah. So that made life difficult. And then, of course, we've got to find a new manager. Mm. Um, and in the short term, uh, Mick Harford, who's a, you know, a club legend. Has, he is, has, he's indeed, yeah. yeah. I, I do remember, yeah. So, <laughs> so you, do you have people in mind? Can, can I get a scoop on Inspire FM? <laughs> <laughs> I can't name names. We have, a, we've, we have a process. We have a list. Um, we've had, oh, I don't know what it is now. It's over 80 applications. From, wow. Golly. From Goodness me. And um, so it's a long list to sort through. Um, we will get to a short list very shortly yeah. and um, and make a decision. But I can't tell you who it is now because even I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, no worries. So but I, I, I guess um, whoever it is, uh, you've got a strong base. You've got a strong team, I guess, to take take it um, to make his job a little bit easier, I guess. Yeah, the, they are wonderful. I mean, they they have been uh, they have been very good since uh, Nathan left. Um, you know, they've stood they've stood up um, and they've supported each other, uh, and they are they are a great a great group of lads. They really are. Brilliant. Um, and uh, we're very proud of them. Very Brilliant. Proud. I, I guess David uh, just got a couple of minutes. Just final yeah. word. Um, I guess what one of the reasons um, I, I guess. I'm particularly interested in sort of uh, discussing this is because I don't see many, a lot of Asians basically uh, in in football and even supporting football, I guess. And what's Luton doing about that, uh, if anything? We do a lot. I mean, we, we get out into the community a lot, as you know, well, I don't know whether you do, but through the Football yeah. for the Community Trust, we get out into the community and we, we coach, uh, I think it's 2,000 kids a week well wow. uh, in local schools and things um we had a we had a headscarfs uh uh, 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 uh t- thing at um, at the club i think it was 2 years ago for asian yeah, girls yeah. Which, that's right yeah which was which i think was great mm-hmm. um i think it's a slow process but i think we're slowly winning i, I mean mm-hmm. there we do have you know quite a lot of asian uh, supporters now mm-hmm. um and of course we welcome more um, yeah, and and you know, I I, mean, I used to take my son to to play football, and there's a lot of talent in the youngsters in in you know within the Asian community. So mm. it'll be interesting. Well, we, as you know, we've got, we are associated with with Crawley Green as well, mm-hmm. and they use our our training facilities down at the Brace, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we we have um, trials for, for for local kids and stuff. So I think we do we do as much as we can. I think. Um, we will do more, I think. And again, if we can get, you know, the stadium moved, which is going to be right in the heart of the community, mm-hmm. I think it will help us to do even more for, for the local community. But we're always open to ideas. So if anybody wants, if anybody has got an idea of how we can make it better, 
Mm. We're always there to listen. Brilliant. Brilliant. Nice okay. I think on that note, uh, uh, David, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Uh, and, and congratulations and, and just yeah, hope congratulations. for the best for you. Uh, it's a very Thank exciting very it's very exciting initiative and let's let's hope the whole community gets behind it. Uh, it'd be a well, wonderful it'd be a wonderful thing for the town. Thank you. We look for your support and it's been lovely talking to you both. All right, God Thank bless. You. Thank you, David. Thank Thanks you so much. Bye bye. Right, okay, we've got about 29 seconds. Uh, I think just enough time to say thank you very much, Jazakallah Hair, for everybody who listened in, tuned in, commented in our discussion today. Mm-hmm. Uh, until next week, inshallah, we're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, you're going to have Hafiz Shaban next week uh, instead of listening to me. Uh, he's more of a regular than, than I am, inshallah. So uh, that's for you to look forward to. And some exciting topics uh, which you may hear about advertise on WhatsApp. Until next week, Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.